All right, glad you're with us. Happy Friday. And write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to join us. You know, uh, Linda, I'm really looking forward to Elizabeth Novak on the program today. Um, great idea. Great booking. It was your idea. No, nope, it's, it's Jason's idea. Jason brought it to me earlier in the week and he said, hey, have you he brought, seen this he story? He brought it to you? Did he you, brought it to you're me. You're welcome. Yeah, welcome. Thank exactly. You <laughs> exactly. We have our own language here on the Sean Hannity Hat show. Tip to Moss. All right. So, because this just fits, you know, we've been spending a lot of time focusing on, you know, the selective moral outrage of liberals. Uh, look, look at the El Paso shooting. Hours later, the Dayton shooting, and all the media wants to focus in on is the El Paso shooting because they can bludgeon Trump, or so they think. With that, and based on their logic, then Elizabeth Warren would be responsible for Dayton because it was Elizabeth Warren supporter and uh, Steve Scalise shooting. Well, that would be a Bernie Sanders supporter, so he's responsible. Just they, they, they never. It, it is just so obviously fake and phony. And it's on every issue. They don't care about Russian interference unless they can bludgeon Trump because there's no bigger Russian interference than what was likely Russian disinformation, quote, the New York Times from the get go, which is Hillary's dossier, the bulk of information to spy on a presidential candidate transition and president. But we've been focused in like a laser beam on Baltimore. We sent our special correspondent, Lawrence Jones, to Baltimore. We sent him numerous times in places in New York City. We have sent him to San Francisco twice because nobody really believed the first report. So we sent him back. And Los Angeles, this homeless encampment problem that they have there. You know, the, the two weekends combined around the El Paso and Dayton shootings, or as Joe Biden says, the Michigan and what's the other state? He got it wrong, as usual. Didn't have any city or state right. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching all this. There has there's this mass migration out of these liberal states. Why is there mass migration? Why are people live leaving beautiful states like California? I've lived in California five years, but, you know, that was in 1987, eight, nine. You know, a beautiful place. I was the, like the poorest person in Santa Barbara. I had no money, barely paying my rent every month. It was a pain in the neck, but I was starting radio and. And I, I was I've gotten lucky and had opportunities, had a little courage to jump off the high dive a few times. Anyways, you look at what's happening. All of these cities with decades of liberal governance, liberal governance. And where is the violence? Why doesn't the media care about Chicago violence? Because they can't bludgeon Trump. Or why don't they care about Baltimore violence? Because they can't bludgeon Donald Trump and blame him for it. Or the same with the homelessness in Los Angeles. These encampments that have gotten so out of control. There was a shooting at one of them yesterday. Two people shot. Then you've got San Francisco. We Lawrence Jones went there twice. One mile from Nancy Pelosi's home. One mile away in one direction. One mile from her office in the other direction. In the middle is an area where drug addicts are on the streets, shooting up drugs, dropping their needles everywhere. We've got all the video to prove it to you. There is a huge problem in terms of people urinating and defecating right there a mile away from Nancy Pelosi's home and office. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. This is California. 
We have the homeless encampments in California. And what do we have? You know, in Chicago, violence, poverty, misery. Why, why haven't these cities? California has a 13.5% state income tax. What are they doing with all of that money? Why are people leaving New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and California in droves? Why are, why are people moving to Texas and Florida and Tennessee and the Carolinas and any low tax, no tax, no state income tax state? Why are they leaving? They're leaving because of the poor governance, the decades run rule where it's never ending. Pick your pocket, you know, cradle to grave, womb to tomb funding for everything. You know, so we're going to have this owner on of the Sacramento business. She owned a hair. She owns a well owned a hair salon. And she's been sending out these messages on social media blasting Gavin Newsom. Now, Gavin Newsom's been, what, 22 years mayor of San Francisco, then lieutenant governor for eight years. You know, 22 years. Now he's the governor. And well, we just got here is his answer. But listen, just listen, because the only thing I say is if you're in any of these liberal states, like we're taxed to death in New York um, and you're going to leave and you're going to move. All right, fine. I don't blame you. I need to get the hell out of here. I need to, like, write a letter to. Governor Cuomo, Comrade de Blasio, goodbye from a kid that was born and raised in New York. I, I'm not taking it anymore. You have, you've taxed me out of New York. I could write that letter. It would be a pretty good letter, don't you think, Linda? I think you we know, would get another Broadway song out of it. We might get another Broadway song. Say Hannity. <laughs> I just did that in the studio. <laughs> That's so funny. John Stewart did a really funny bit. He got the Jersey Boys because I said, Nathan oh. Lane. This happened. I'd play the whole thing. They had the whole Jersey Boys crew. And I happen to know from people that actually have talked to John Stewart. John Stewart hates my guts, which is the feelings kind of mutual, but I don't wish any harm on, you know, he's, he has different points of view. I thought he did a really good thing with the people that uh, that served on post 9-11 and the health issues. I, I agreed with him. We need to take care of those people. And thankfully, we got the job done finally. All right. But here's the point that came as a result of the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, saying this about conservatives. Uh, their problem is not me and the Democrats. Their problem is themselves. Who are they? Are they these extreme conservatives who are right to life, a poor assault weapon, anti-gay? Is that who they are? Because if that's who they are, and if they are the extreme conservatives, they have no place in the state of New York. So this because that's not who New Yorkers are. You don't have a place in the state. Well, I'm, I am right to, I believe, yeah, life kind of begins at conception. And I don't believe that the baby should be born and let, make sure the baby's comfortable and then let the mother decide. 
or during dilation and the birthing process that you could just, uh, yeah, no, I don't think I want this kid that's about to be born. No, I'm not. I'm not that extreme liberal. But then all of a sudden, these liberal, these governors of other states like Florida, Governor Scott at the time, North Carolina, we got an invitation from there, Texas. Uh, what was it, Governor Abbott at the time, uh, or Rick Perry? I don't remember. They both have been. I'm an honorary Texan. I need Texas is great. Um, invited me to come there. They said they they would love to have me, and I pay all my taxes. I don't have any choice, if, even if I wanted to. I'm like, I know they're gone over with a fine tooth comb every every year. Trust me, they are. Um, I believe in the Second Amendment. I'm not anti gay. As a matter of fact. I think I'm the most outspoken person in the country about the treatment of of gays, lesbians, persecution of women, Christians and Jews in countries that practice Sharia. And I say all the time that I mean, this ought to be something we all agree on. But anyway, okay, now I have my nine point nine percent, nine point whatever percent state income tax in New York. I live in the second highest property tax county in New York, the county I was born in. It's insane what they charge. Nassau County, just behind Westchester County in New York. Uh, then we have sales taxes, hidden taxes. Every tax is tax. I pay over 60 cents of every dollar I make to government. And that's a lot of money. You go to immediately, I get to keep 16% more if I move to a no income tax state. And I don't care how high their property taxes are. They won't begin to touch what New York is. And so all these people are leaving. The only thing I'm saying is if you're going to leave, don't bring your idiotic liberal policies with you and destroy the new states that you're moving to. When Mike Huckabee told me that all these people are leaving California and if you rent a U-Haul to get to Texas from Los Angeles, it's 1600 bucks. I don't know if it's a U-Haul that you drive or a U-Haul that you you know, a hitch to the back of your car. I'm not sure which one he was talking about. But if you take it from the same place in Texas to California, you can get it for 400 bucks or less because you're doing U-Haul a favor at that point because really the exodus is from one state to another. Now, this is a phenomenon created by liberal government. And you listen to this, this poor woman. Listen, being a hair salon owner is not easy. I mean, that is a a labor intensive job i mean linda i don't go to hair salons i've taken my daughter a few times to a nail salon my daughter gets mad because i try to get a, a hire a couple of people to work on her at the same time because it takes forever yeah nothing just, like rushing the spa experience nice job well i mean the manny petty if you sit there with one person oh my i'm like can we at least have two one do the feet one how about one for each yeah, hurry you know, up extremity. with that relaxation I know my daughter. I'm hates, just saying, dude. She just, like, gave, she just said, "Dad, can we please? I'll do it myself." Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't think I'd let you in. Uh, yeah. She, I said, "Why?" She goes, "It's embarrassing." First of all, you have the attention span of a gnat, so yeah. I can't imagine having you in there rushing me, not paying attention, and telling me to hurry up. I'm I'd trying just be to be nice, mind. you know, and bonding moments with. Yeah, my be daughter. nice. Give her the money and say, "Have a good time." Okay, but I would take her because she would try to not like find the time for. Let me here. I'll go with you. Wait in the car. Then I hired two people. Then once I hired three people and that was that was the tipping point. You know what you should do? What? I got a great idea. So you should let but her it goes faster. go to the spa, take you know, her time and you can that, go play golf. Golf. Nobody. I've never heard of the game golf. So I this, tell you, I was watching it last night. Very impressed with me. I watched it a little bit. Yeah. What's a, what is what does par mean? They're doing pretty good. What does par mean? How do you get a par? 
You swing your club. You swing your club. <laughs> you hope that the ball <laughs> goes in. Goes in. And then you walk along in funny shoes. And how do you get a birdie? I have no idea. And what's a bogey? I don't know what any of these special words What's a are. double bogey? I don't know. All right, this is priceless because you know nothing about sports. It's but I had the channel but I was watching on, which golf. shows good effort. Nobody knows golf. Um, all right, golf. but I'm going to play this when we come back. And she's going to join us later in the program. This woman, Liz- Elizabeth Novak. It's not easy to own a salon. Takes forever. I mean, do you go to a salon to get your hair done, I assume? I don't uh, know. Yeah. Um, okay. It takes me about either I go to the local barbershop or, you know, Linda, who's been with us at Fox for 22 years. It was wonderful. And she'll cut my hair if I ask her. And I, I'm there for like, how fast can you do it? I don't I, I don't do any of the extra stuff. How long does it take to do your hair? Me? Yeah, you. Oh, forget about it. I got to go in. I got to have coffee. We got to talk a few minutes. Oh, we got to talk geez. about the direction we're taking my hair. Sort of like the song Suds me. in the Bucket. The biddies in the beauty shop gossip going nonstop. I love my salon. I love my hairstylist. Oh, my God. You got to listen to the song by Sarah uh, Evans, uh, Suds in the Bucket. It has that line in it. Biddies in the beauty shop gossip going nonstop. I'm like, what? Where did this come it's from? It's awesome. I love it. All right. We're going to play. You've got to hear from this woman because it describes everything that's wrong. Everything that's failing. That's why Obama and Biden failed. Liberalism doesn't work. People are leaving liberal states in droves. The government is chasing them away. Uh, all the biddies in the beauty shop, not because of going. Is that really what happens or is that just a cliche? Oh, no, that I don't know what that does happen. Oh, yeah. So is it really offensive that I would say, you know, if I with my daughter, we go to a nail salon. I mean, there's there's extra people that aren't working at the time. It's not like I'm taking people away from other customers just to kind of speed up the process a little bit. You don't think that's a good thing to do. What do you think the purpose of a spa moment is? I don't know. I bet you get in and get out. I okay, mean, so, so when I go to a yeah. barbershop, there's no biddies in the okay, barbershop gossip going nonstop in a barbershop. Yeah, that's not even the same thing. And first of all, there's a lot of chit chat in a barbershop. No, we do a lot of talking. Listen, right. I got my I got these guys. They're awesome. They're really cool. We, oh, we And do what do you guys talk, talk about? Politics. We Politics, talk about sports. What else? What's golf? How do you golf. say Golf. What's a par? I have no idea. What's a birdie? I really don't know. I think, I think but I'm going to Google it on the break. You know, I started out, I was going to be so pissed off. I am really angry. I mean, I'm glad we have on this woman, Elizabeth Novak. She's going to be up in the next hour. And she, she's she been sending these messages to Gavin Newsom, a 22-year veteran of politics, mayor of San Francisco, lieutenant governor, eight years since 2004. Now the governor who's a wannabe president one day. And, you know, here you have 13 and a half percent state income tax. She has to shut down her shop because of what is a rampant problem all over California, which is why so many people are leaving high taxes and still they can't afford shelters. And you got people shooting up in the streets in San Francisco, Sacramento and elsewhere. These encampments, uh, they have a, a problem with defecating on streets in these big cities. What do they do with the money that they are given or take? They confiscate. There's no way to hear his explanation. That's next. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Happy Friday. So uh, before I play the tape of Elizabeth Novak, who will join us in the next hour at some point. 
you know, you got to understand something here. You know, the now the New York Times has revealed that they now want to move on because, uh, well, it was more is a little trickier than we thought. And they don't work out the way we wanted. And we built a whole newsroom to f- cover one story, the Russia lie. And we pushed the conspiracy. But now they're moving on to racism of Donald Trump. That's it. That's their focus now. And they have which happens every two and four years. And I'm thinking, OK, well, what are the indicators that Donald Trump has a good shot of being reelected? Are we better off than we were three years ago? The answer is overwhelmingly yes. Best employment situation since 1969. Every demographic. We've mentioned that a lot. And then the other thing that the media seems to want to do is just kind of talk down the successful economy. Now, even openly, like in the case of Bill Maher and others, hoping for a recession. They want it. Well, okay, maybe it doesn't impact Bill Maher. But it's going to impact American workers. It's going to impact the forgotten men and women that after eight failed years of Biden, Obama, where we added 13 million more Americans to food stamps and eight million more in poverty. Oh, now we're going to we're going to just abandon any hopes that they continue to, you know, get ahead in life and have opportunities in life. You know, it's funny. The Bank of America's CEO is a guy by the name of Brian Moynihan. He blasted what he called the uh, punditocracy. On NBC News, the TV economists helped spook the stock market last week with their overhyped the yield curve inversion in the bond market. And he pointed to the soaring consumer spending, which is up nearly 15 percent since Donald Trump became president. We also have seven million new jobs created and we also have, oh, seven million fewer people on food stamps and millions that have gotten out of poverty. And he went on to say, he said, the consumer's doing well and making more money. They're employed. And more importantly, they're spending more money. Well, that's good because when people produce goods and services and other people buy, that's good for the economy. That's good for American workers. That means maybe they can get a, a nice house in a safe neighborhood, drive a nice car, you know, have a happier life. You know, it's again, here we are. What is what does crazy Bernie want to do? I mean, this is pretty insane. Bernie wants to now spend $16 trillion, $16 trillion, and I'm not making this up, uh, to up the ante on all. He doesn't want to be out socialist by the socialist. And so he's saying that he wants to, to literally tax oil executives, you know, psycho Bernie. I don't know. He's vowing to even criminally prosecute oil company executives and tax the living daylights out of them. Okay, but those companies don't pay taxes. We're about to have a summer where we're going to pay less than two bucks a gallon for gas. And we're energy independent for the first time in 75 years. Fossil fuel executives should be criminally prosecuted for the destruction they have knowingly caused. Wow. We're going to end the greed of the fossil fuel industry. They're so dumb. It's the lifeblood of our economy, our energy. And by the way, if you want to bring Putin to his knees and not be dependent on the politics of the Middle East and some countries that hate our guts, uh, we should uh, be as independent and the biggest exporter as possible because truck drivers are trained to make 80 grand a year starting out, as we learned in North Dakota. Unbelievable. Oh, and then he's going to spend 16 billion dollars. 16, I'm sorry, trillion dollars with a T. 
Well, we only take it. We our budget's only four trillion dollars for his new green deal, and every I've guaranteed everything. Where's that money going to come from in a crashing economy with no oil and gas? This is how nuts they are. That's why all these people want to leave these big states. I'll give you another reason. So New York State results are in for kids in third through eighth grade, public school students in New York, and once again, more than half the kids flunked only 45.4% of kids in third through eighth grade in New York public schools, meaning the state were deemed proficient in reading. Only 46.7% were proficient in math. We pay more per capita than any other country in the world of industrialized nations. We're 37th. Wow. What do you get for your money? Nothing. You think of a new, creative, innovative idea? They even had this all-girls public school experiment in New York, and liberals sued to stop it. After the kids loved it, the parents loved it, the scores were phenomenal. Why innovation? You know, when it would destroy what is the unholy alliance between teachers' unions and the Democratic Party. Just listen a little bit, though. Why is... Elizabeth Novak, who's joining us in the last hour, which fits the theme, why people are leaving New York, New Jersey, Illinois and California in droves. And I don't blame them. Just don't bring your liberal policies with you to your new state. Why is she leaving Sacramento? Let's listen a this little bit. This video is for Gavin Newsom. Um, I'm going to wait for a response from you, but I'm not I'm not going to stop messaging you, tweeting you, making videos to you, emailing you, writing you, calling you. I want to know what you're going to do for us Californians. I have had a business in downtown Sacramento for 15 years, a successful business. I now have to leave my place of business. I have to close my shop. Um, I own a hair salon. Yes, I can go do hair somewhere else, but it's not as convenient to my clients as downtown Sacramento is. Thank God I live an hour and 10, 20 minutes away from there. But I just want to tell you what happens when I get to work. I have to clean up the poop and the pee off of my doorstep. I have to clean up the syringes. I have to politely ask the people who I care for, I care for these people that are homeless, to move their tents out of the way of my, my, the, the, business, my, the door to my business. I have to fight off people that push their way into my shop that are homeless and on drugs because you won't arrest them for drug offenses. I have to apologize to my clients as to why they can't get into my door because there's somebody asleep there because they're not getting the help they need. I talked to the police officers. They told me to contact you. They want to do something and they can't. You changed the laws. So I want to know what you're going to do for us, the ones that are unhappy. You want to make us a sanctuary state. You want to make it comfortable for everybody except for the people that work hard and have tried their hardest to get along in life. And now we have to change that because of your laws. Your liberal ideology is not working. And I don't know who you're trying to please. So while you sit in your million dollar home and you don't have to look at what we have to look at, there's hardworking people out there that have to deal with this on a daily basis. What are you going to do for us? Now, Elizabeth's going to join us uh, at the bottom of the half hour in the next hour. It's unbelievable. Why? It's sad. That's a hard job running being a salon owner. That's that's labor intensive work. How much do you pay, if you don't mind me asking, when you usually go to a salon, Linda? I don't. Maybe that's a personal question. I don't. New York prices are not comparable to the rest of the country. I don't think. All right, 
that's probably true. I mean, look, I just give I give a nice tip to my guys, so I just give them like a fee. It, I just walk in here, take the. I don't even know what it costs. I don't ask. And, you have um, a speed fee. You, you tell him he has five minutes to cut your hair, that mop on your head, and if he doesn't much. do it in five minutes, he doesn't get the fee. And people say, "Well, why don't you color your hair a little bit and get Botox?" I'm like, "What? No." Not happening. I dare you to dye your hair. Yeah, I dare you. Yeah, so not happening. Why don't you uh, go blonde? Okay. Did you notice fake news CNN is now hired? Moving on. <laughs> their top FBI Russia hoax co-conspirator, Andrew McCabe. You know, the guy that told a uh, 33-year war veteran, no, you don't, need a, uh, you don't need a lawyer, when in fact, he did need a lawyer. And then Comey bragging, oh, we took advantage of the chaos for something we wouldn't do in the Bush or Obama administrations. Anyway, fake news, CNN, they have no intention giving up the Russia hoax. They hired McCabe and, um, you know, he has now joined the first name in fake news as a paid contributor. That's fine. It actually probably is a perfect fit. And he says, well, the CNN gig gives McCabe is a fighting and termination in court he filed a lawsuit in district court alleging that his removal was part of a scheme by the president he's flipped this sucker on its on its head um he says uh because he wasn't politically loyal to the president nice try um but what's interesting about this is sarah huckabee sanders got hired by fox and then you got humpty dumpty and you know do you know that other guy that writes for them who hates my guts what's his name um oliver that guy, uh, by the way, really strange stories about Oliver from my staff. Yikes. But anyway, putting that aside, one day I run into him at Geraldo's book party. He goes, hey, Sean, how are you? And I'm like, do I know you? No, it's me, Oliver. I'm like, Oliver who? No idea who Oliver is. It's me, Oliver from CNN. I said, oh, fake news, CNN. <laughs> I walked away. I re that really happened. You know, what about all the, you know, Jim uh, Sciato was a political appointee of uh, I'm sorry, Scudo was a, a political appointee of Obama on foreign affairs. He was hired by fake news CNN. Axelrod now works for Conspiracy TV MS, uh, or he did for a while. Now he's a fake news CNN. Uh, Robert Gibbs, you know, he went to f Conspiracy TV MSDNC. Jen Psaki went to the Obama House White House Communications Director. She's a fake news CNN contributor. Jared Bernstein went from Biden's chief economist to Conspiracy TV, MSDNC. Ben Rhodes went to NBC and MSDNC. Rom Rombo Deadfish joined uh, ABC along with his buddy Georgie Stephanopoulos. Andy McCabe, now FBI director under Obama, now fake news CNN. And then we got James Baker and Josh Campbell and Jay Carney and Josh Earn. So they were mad at, you know, okay, well, you hire a guy that was fired for lying and leaking. Okay, well, then I guess everything kind of fits perfectly. It's like a perfect marriage, as far as I can see. This is CNN. I have some good news. The head of the U.S. Border Patrol announced this morning 200 miles of new construction on the president's border wall has now stopped, uh, started now thanks to the president reallocating funds. He was on Fox this morning and. You know, he said the decision to deploy troops to the southern border was a significant factor in speeding up border wall construction. It's on top of the miles and miles that they ended up fixing. Um, and I think is a good thing. 
By the way, for all you impeachment Democrats, sorry, new poll shows, even Democrats are giving up on your impeachment uh, fantasy. Monmouth University poll been tracking the issue. Fifty nine percent of voters overall now oppose this endeavor. I guess that's not good. You have a Democratic lawmaker says he likes the way illegal immigrants mows his lawn. You hear about that guy? Imagine if a Republican said this, Tom Malinowski, explaining to constituents in New Jersey 7th Congressional District, because uh, they're not willing to take the jobs that the community's teenagers no longer do. Quote, we have to think about the jobs because the reason this happens is because there are a lot of jobs in our community that, like it or not, for better or worse, Americans are not willing to take. To think about the jobs, right? Because the reason this happens is there are a lot of jobs in our community that like it or not, for better or worse, Americans are not willing to take. I mean, who do you think is taking care of our seniors? 50% of the elder care workers in the state of New Jersey are immigrants, most of them legal, most of them documented, but certainly some who are not. Who do you think is mowing our beautiful lawns in Somerset County? We don't usually ask, but a lot of those workers are undocumented. They're just not a lot of, you know, kids, sorry, from Montgomery High. We're going to be doing that full time. You guys are you guys are going into robotics for goodness sake. Uh, did I hear laughter there? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I I don't see that in my life. I see people that are happy that the economic situation has gone from Obama Biden and adding 13 million Americans to food stamps and 8 million in poverty. And the worst labor participation rate since the 70s and worst recovery since the 40s. I think the 7 million Americans that now have new jobs because of the Trump economy, the 7 million that used to be on food stamps that are no longer the millions that were in poverty that are no longer in poverty are happy at the change. I mean, as evidenced by, you know, I don't think it's an accident that when we have the best employment situation in the country since 1969, although others are praying for a recession. Wow. Let's just talk about the height of selfishness. Let's hope. I hope there's a recession. We don't care who gets hurt as long as we get rid of Trump. Doesn't get any sicker than that. And let's divide the country. We we were singularly focused an entire newsroom on one issue. The New York Times said, but then it got tricky our lies turned out to be lies. Our conspiracy theory is exposed. Now we're going to dedicate our newsroom to the next one thing that's going to take out Trump race. We're going to talk about racism for a whole year. This is how much they, you know, think about this. It's not Trump that they hate. Because if they really cared about the American people, they said, this is a great. Thank God things are getting better. Thank God, you know, the economy's improved. Record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment. That never happened under Biden-Obama. You would think that that would be met with happiness. No. You wonder why people are leaving these states? If they ever get power and they implement their Green New Deal, what they've done in New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and California, they will do on a mass scale to the country. It will be a disaster. Remember, I said, all you cabinet people come up here to tell us yes when we ask you if you're going to answer our stuff. I said, maybe you better say maybe. So if you want to say maybe now and be really honest, say maybe. Otherwise, I hope you'll answer that October 17th letter once we get you voted into office. Yes, Senator. 
In looking back at our investigations into the mishandling or removal of classified information, we cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. All the cases prosecuted involved some combination of clearly intentional and willful mishandling of classified information or vast quantities of information exposed in such a way as to support an inference of intentional misconduct or indications of disloyalty to the United States or efforts to obstruct justice. We do not see those things here. All right. Glad you're with us. Hour two, Sean Hannity show. We're taking you back on purpose. Now, that was in July, July 5th, to be specific, 2016. The 13 minute lead up to Nevermind by James Comey. Classified, top secret, special access programming information all on Hillary's secret server. And then, of course, the deletions and the uh, bleach bit and the hammers and the SIM cards removed. OK, based on it, we can't find a single case. Well, Christian Saucier went to jail because he had six pictures on his own cell phone of a submarine that he worked on that he was proud to work on. Uh, what we found in our investigation is what he just said there is we can't find it. No, that none of that is true. Far less severe uh, and less intentional acts uh, have resulted in significant convictions and jail time. Now, why is this important? Why are we going back to the Hillary Clinton email server scandal? Because uh, of new information we have care of uh, investigative reporter, vice president of the Hill, John Solomon. And it all surrounds her illicit server and the case not being settled because that press conference, what you heard right there was Jim Comey literally failing prior to that statement to grant the investigators. Now think back in May of 2016. Remember, they were writing the exoneration. They took out the term gross negligence, the legal standard. They put in the words extreme carelessness so they didn't meet the legal standard. That was all done on behalf of Hillary Clinton. Then when you look at the comments of Struck and Page, puff, they said, well, we know, we know for a fact this is going through a uh, Justice Department that loves Hillary, they're never going to do anything with this. Uh, that was their statement of fact on that particular case. Uh, then we had the tarmac meeting with Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch just days before Comey's statement. And then we have the exchange between Comey and Loretta Lynch. It's a matter. It's not an investigation. But what we now know is it was even worse than we thought, that the FBI under James Comey failed to grant the investigators into the Hillary email investigation on her secret server in a mom and pop shop bathroom closet that we now know in real time was hacked by the Chinese, likely others as well. And Peter Strzok knew and didn't do a thing about it. We also know that Peter Strzok interviewed Hillary Clinton just three days before James Comey gave that uh, presser and she was allowed to bring in, which is unprecedented in her interrogation, people involved in the case that had also been given immunity like Cheryl Mills and one other person. So what we learned in this report of John Solomon is agents that were tasked with investigating Clinton but they weren't allowed to see key pieces of evidence. And there's a good reason for that. And it appears the rigged investigation is way more rigged than we ever knew because the so-called criminal probe, or as the attorney general at the time, Lynch liked to say matter, uh, was a whole con job. 
No other American would get away with this. It's so, it's so obvious what was, ha- was rigged from the beginning under Comey, McCabe, Page, uh, Loretta Lynch, Strzok, and others. There was never going to be any charges against Hillary Clinton. The one that thought there should have been was James Baker, the general counsel, the top lawyer at the FBI. And up to the last second, they had to persuade him not to take that position. Anyway, she got a get out of jail free card. And if you don't believe me, just try and do what Hillary did and then try and cover it up and delete subpoenaed emails and acid wash your hard drive and beat up your uh, Blackberries and iPhones and remove the SIM cards after the subpoena. Good luck with all of that. But it appears that the level of commitment to protect Hillary Clinton was far greater than we ever knew. And then, ironically, what did they do? Then they turned on Donald Trump and immediately thereafter, the same people turned into Operation Crossfire Hurricane and even later would use Hillary Clinton's bought and paid for Russian lies to spy on a presidential candidate transition team and and then a United States president. John Solomon, who's been breaking all of this down, joins us now. Um, all right. Well, why don't I let you fill in the gaps here? Why this is back in the news, why this is important. And now we have if there was ever any ambiguity that the fix was in. Now we know what was in the documents that Comey would not allow the investigators to see because, you know, what was in there? Well, uh, we really don't know exactly what was in there because the uh, the FBI, it's super classified. These are really at the highest level classification, known as compartmentalized. So only the president and a handful of other people normally would have access to it. So it's a very super secret, very sensitive uh, set of information and documents that the FBI had identified was important. That's their word. The agents working the case, important to see to determine whether Hillary Clinton uh, was engaged in criminality with her, her server. And at the end of the day, they weren't allowed to see it. Now, we don't know why they weren't allowed to see it. Did someone overrule them? Was there a bureaucratic blunder? We don't know. But it goes to that competency and all of the shenanigans that were going on on the James Comey, Andrew McCabe uh, FBI watch. Uh, but it's important to know that the uh, the, the, the neglect on this continues to this day. In 2018, the Inspector General of the Justice Department, Michael Horowitz, uh, directly uh, identified this information. He actually built an annex for people to go look at, made it easy for people to go figure out what they should have looked at and what impact it might have on the case. Until this day, now late summer of 2019, no one has still, to our knowledge, gone and looked at it or responded to Congress about whether it was evidence of criminality or could have affected the outcome of the Clinton case. The agents who who wanted to see it identified it as quote-unquote important. That's their words. They never got to see it. Hillary's exonerated before they got to see it. And to this day, we're not getting an accounting of what that information was. It's remarkable. It shows just how politicized and also how incompetent the FBI was in that period when James Comey was running the department. Like you, I have sources, and I'm told that the information was so devastating, it would also not only go to the heart of the email server investigation. How did Peter Strzok, when he was informed that the Chinese had hacked into Hillary's website, I thought that was a bad thing. That means they got top secret and classified information and they were getting it in real time, we discovered. He's told all of that and never did a thing about it. Why? Uh, You know, there's a a great term in the IG report. There was a uh, in the the new documents that came out. The FBI showed a lack of interest in in, in pursuing the possibility that Hillary Clinton's emails were compromised by a very important foreign adversary, China. Uh, This is inexplicable. You can't explain why 
the FBI wouldn't have an interest. They were real concerned about whether Russia was compromising Donald Trump, right? They weren't concerned if China was compromising Hillary Clinton. It goes to this double standard that we saw through this period, through this group of characters at the top of the FBI, McCabe, Comey, Strzok. Very concerning. And when people say there's a dual justice system, these are the sort of episodes that make people say, you know what, I might believe that after reading that. It just does, It defies logic. You're worried about Donald Trump's Russia problem. You're not worried about uh, Hillary Clinton's China problem. You're going to exonerate Hillary Clinton, but you don't look at the evidence that might affect that determination, even though you called it important. Uh, there are so many shenanigans, so many inexplicable acts that go on inside the FBI in the summer of 2016. And let's remind everybody, the day you played that clip from, July 5th, 2016, when we're all done with the Russia case, that will be the day of infamy. It's not only the day that Hillary Clinton is exonerated by James Comey under dubious circumstances. <clears throat> it's also the day that Christopher Steele, the very same day, Christopher Steele, the Apple researcher, British MI6 agent, walks his dossier into the FBI in London. July 5th is going to be a day of shame for the FBI on multiple cases. Let me let me go back to what my sources have told me also that now, do we know for a fact that this information that Comey's withholding from investigators, uh, do we know for a fact that he knew what was in it? We do not. I mean, there's a lot of mystery shrouded in this. We know the agents knew enough about it to consider it important and wanting to do it. And when the IG report came out in 2018, and it was a classified annex, everybody, I'm told, people directly familiar or who've seen the document said, everybody agreed. So we should have looked at this and it's not too late to look at it. Let's look at it now. And for a year and a half since that moment, Senators Grassley, Senators Johnson, members of the, their staffs have been unable to get the Attorney General, the Justice Department, the FBI to answer, have you looked at it? Does it change your opinion of Hillary Clinton? Should there be criminality? Are there new allegations that surface from it? There's been radio silence. So every time you hear the Justice Department saying we're cooperating, just remember this. A year and a half later, we do not have an answer where they looked at it or considered the implications to Hillary Clinton. Well, clearly the Inspector General Horowitz did, and he seemed he a little shocked that they didn't. You know, uh, Lindsey Graham is saying about the upcoming IG report on right. FISA abuse that it will be, quote, chilling. And then he told the local radio station in in South Carolina uh, that the IG will come to testify it will be Lindsey Graham's committee. We're going to make right. sure he gets all the time he needs to tell the country exactly what happened. He will be in public. We want to do all of it uh, that we can in the open. We don't want to have a classified session unless we need to uh, and right. called it chilling and words that were given to me between this and what happened abroad. And that would be the outsourcing of spying and intelligence gathering, even against a uh, United States president and allies of the president uh, were outsourced to circumvent U.S. laws to our allies in Italy, Great Britain and Australia. Um, we know this is coming out now. Um, but the one thing I can't get a handle on is if I ever committed a premeditated fraud using a phony Russian dossier, which you reported, the FBI finally picked up a spreadsheet on and, and they picked right. out over 90 percent of it was false, if not all of it. And then it was they were warned that it was false. They were warned it was political. They were warned that Steele had an agenda numerous times. You've also broken that story. Kathleen Kavlek and, and Bruce right. Orr warned everybody, but they used it anyway. And then Christopher Steele himself renders the dossier 
unverifiable, saying himself he has no idea if any of it's true. That's right. Under, in an interrogatory, but they used it anyway. That sounds like premeditated fraud against a FISA court for the purpose of spying on an American citizen, and in this case, a backdoor to the Trump campaign transition and presidency. Now the question is, would I go to jail over that? I think I would. Well, the, I was talking to a very wise person last night who's covered the Justice Department and, and, and watched it for many years as a trained observer. And they said that there are three levels of justice that seem to be apparent. One for Republicans and everyday people, one for Democrats and Hillary Clinton, and one for the Department of Just Us, playing off the word justice. And, and I think there's a growing concern that there's been an extraordinary body of evidence now brought forth of wrongdoing within the Justice Department. Let's take a couple of just why why is fbi director ray seemingly unwilling to cooperate and hand over papers that would take our premier law enforcement agency and get it back on track he seems resistant to helping repair the damage that was done by his predecessor and let's take a look at some other things 15 months ago the inspector general referred former deputy fbi director andrew mccabe for prosecution for lying felony lying to uh, ongoing investigations. How many months no ago criminal- for felony lying? What 15. happened to Papadopoulos? What happened to Michael <clears throat> Cohen? What happened to Manafort? 15 days it took to get them charged. 15 months have passed. Andrew McCabe hasn't been charged. We know from my reporting, and it's now been corroborated by many others in the media, that uh, the inspector general also referred James Comey for prosecution, and the Justice Department passed on that. At some point, I know the question in the American public is going to be, will any, I get this question every day, will anyone pay a price uh, beyond termination for the misdeeds that went on in the FBI. This fall is the fall of reckoning. The Justice Department will show whether it has the willingness to prosecute its people or whether they will skip prosecution and just use shame as the final mechanism for exposing what went well, on Well, that would mean we That's don't have question. equal justice under the law. I got to take a quick break here. We'll come back. We'll continue more with uh, investigative reporter. Yes, another bombshell by John Solomon, uh, also executive vice president for The Hill. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. Continue. All right. As we continue, John Solomon is with us. And uh, yeah, more breaking news this time. Yeah, they had a lot of evidence in the Hillary case, but they wouldn't give it to investigators. Sure. You talked about this fall. You mean September, October, that there are 10 declassified Russia collusion revelations. Of course, one is going to be the FISA report, which I understand is complete. You even reported that last night. Yeah. And That's but it, it's going to need redactions or at least to look over for national security purposes. That's right. And you've identified all 10 of them. So the question I have is if if in fact a rigged investigation happened, if premeditated fraud on a FISA court happened, if there was an attempt of a coup using Hillary Clinton bought and paid for Russian lies and the witch hunt was really the witch hunt we knew it to be and all these other people abused their power and maybe even outsourced intelligence gathering that would be illegal to circumvent laws. You're saying that there's a chance nobody goes to jail for those things? Well, uh, here's the most important thing. If there were going to be criminal charges, there would be grand jury activity going on in Washington. I have talked to dozens of defense lawyers who represent people up and down this this drama, and, and none of them report that they've got a grand jury subpoena. They've been asked for grand jury evidence, and many of the people who have gone before Durham and Barr are doing no. so voluntarily, meaning they're not necessarily under oath. So that right now, this appears to be an administrative review that could change but i got a break but you know i got to tell you something this is all going to be revealed to the american people everything we've reported is true that's the main key correct yes or no and i gotta go yes 100 percent. videos for gavin newsom um i'm gonna wait for a response from you but i'm not i'm not gonna stop messaging you tweeting you 
making videos to you, emailing you, writing you, calling you. I want to know what you're going to do for us Californians. I have had a business in downtown Sacramento for 15 years, a successful business. I now have to leave my place of business. I have to close my shop. Um, I own a hair salon. Yes, I can go do hair somewhere else, but it's not as convenient to my clients as downtown Sacramento is. Thank God I live an hour and 10, 20 minutes away from there. But I just wanna tell you what happens when I get to work. I have to clean up the poop and the pee off of my doorstep. I have to clean up the syringes. I have to politely ask the people who I care for, I care for these people that are homeless, to move their tents out of the way of my, my the, the business, my, the door to my business. I have to fight off people that push their way into my shop that are homeless and on drugs because you won't arrest them for drug offenses. I have to apologize to my clients as to why they can't get into my door because there's somebody asleep there because they're not getting the help they need. I talked to the police officers. They told me to contact you. They want to do something and they can't. You change the laws. So I want to know what you're going to do for us, the ones that are unhappy. You want to make us a sanctuary state. You want to make it comfortable for everybody except for the people that work hard and have tried their hardest to get along in life and now we have to change that because of your laws. Your liberal ideology is not working and I don't know who you're trying to please. So while you sit in your million dollar home and you don't have to look at what we have to look at, there's hardworking people out there that have to deal with this on a daily basis. What are you going to do for us? Why does the poverty problem seem to be getting worse, not better here? And what is a robust? Well, it got, it's gotten it's slightly better in the last uh, eighteen months in the, in the poverty. Well, because we have like global synchronized growth. You got a boom uh, in the con. Like this is probably combination. No, look, I'm not. Right. I'm not here to look. I just got here a few months ago. Right. So the, my what's my top priority? Anti-poverty efforts. I, I think we just need to double down on being even more intentional. What right. I mean by that is focus on what's working and do away with what's not. I'm not for just spending more money to spend more money. I'm talking about targeted investments for us. The fact that the state's even engaged in the homeless issue is novel. We're focused on that issue in a way at state level we never have been. Again, it's been a few months. You want to attack us, know that we're attacking the problem. Folks on the other side just want to attack it politically. We're trying to attack some of the root causes. I can point to addresses. I can tell you names of 12,000 people we got off the street. The folks that were on the street when we left, vast majority were not from California. I'm not suggesting that they're not our responsibility. In fact, quite the contrary. We took responsibility. We were dealing with, and by the way, vast majority also coming from, and we, we know this from Texas, just interesting fact. And I agree with those folks that criticize what's happening with homelessness in the state. But to suggest it's because of liberal policies, it's laughable and insulting. To it's not laughable and insulting. I mean, what's laughable and insulting is Gavin. I want to be the president of the United States. I can taste it. Um, he's been in politics uh, mayor of San Francisco, uh, lieutenant governor, now governor. For, he's been in, in government 22 years. They are under his leadership with Jerry Brown. Uh, what? A 13.5% state income tax. And I got to tell you something. So we sent Lawrence Jones to all of these big cities. Now, there's there are common problems. And when you look at it, look at Gavin Newsom's. All right. Gavin Newsom. Now, he's now the 40th governor of California. Started. OK, that job. You look at the office that he had. Let's see. Uh, he was the 49th lieutenant governor from 2011 to 2019. Eight years. Mayor of San Francisco, 2004 to 2011. He hasn't stopped since 2004 being in the world of politics in the exact area we're talking about. We sent Lawrence Jones to Chicago. 
Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, Baltimore, and all these big cities, decades of of liberal rule. And now we have what? What was just described by Liz Novak, a Sacramento salon owner, when we sent Lawrence Jones one mile from the gated community of Nancy Pelosi in one direction, one mile to her office in the other direction. There you have people shooting up all over the place and leaving their their used needles all over the place, defecating in the streets. There's feces, there's, there's a feces problem galore. The smell, the stench is horrible. She couldn't get her millionaire Silicon Valley friends to build a shelter for somebody where they can get a meal, a shower, drug counseling, maybe a, a place to go to the bathroom. Oh, I guess I guess they want tax, our tax dollars. Thirteen and a half percent state income tax is not enough. All right. So the person you just heard on that tape, Liz Novak, a Sacramento salon owner, is on our newsmaker line. And uh, first of all, Elizabeth, thank you for being with us. So you're now how you all these years, 15 years in business. You have to now relocate. Why did you feel the need to relocate your hair salon in Sacramento, which, by the way, is not cheap to do for anybody that has ever made a move? But why? No, you know, it's not cheap to do. And actually, I'm not able to relocate it now. I have to just go rent a station somewhere because the, the prices have gotten so high. But I decided to do this because I don't feel safe after dark. And actually, I even don't feel safe during the day because I had someone come in during broad daylight because they're on drugs because they aren't arrested for it. So, um, and then the health hazards, the, the syringes, the um, excrement in front of my shop, urine, it smells. Yeah. That's well, I mean, that's what we've, I, I've now sent Lawrence Jones our special mm-hmm. correspondent for the Hannity show uh, numerous times all over the place, mm-hmm. San Francisco. And what we see is it's exactly what you are describing. It's terrible. It's, it's absolutely terrible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, now you see needles, you see feces and urine on your doorstep. Uh-huh. Explain that on my doorstep. Okay. Um, well, when I'm coming to work in the morning, I really don't know what I'm going to walk into. And it's something every single day. There's cups of urine, and I'm not quite sure why they do that, but they leave cups of urine. And it's almost, without getting too graphic, as if they lean up against my front door and use the restroom to go, you know, um, they use the restroom on my front door. Um, they, I, My shop has a little courtyard in which I can't put any... Uh, anything to detour them. I can't put plants. I can't put anything like that because they break them. Uh, they break my windows, but they must be doing drugs in there because it seems off the beaten path and they feel like nobody can see them, but I get to clean it up. And there's not enough time for me to call, you know, um, the city to come do it when my clients are on their way. Do I want to lose clients or do I want to just clean it up? So, But you were making money in your business, correct? Correct. You, you yes. had a profitable business. I absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're going to work on most days. You have to clean away used needles that people shoot up heroin or whatever drugs they're using. People are urinating and defecating on your doorstep. Yes, they are. And I'm finding other drug par- paraphernalia like um, crack pipes, I guess, things like that. Yes, I am. Now, There's a drug problem. Gavin Newsom, who's been, let's see, mayor of San Francisco since 2004, lieutenant governor of the last eight years. He says, well, I've only been here a few months. What do you say back to that? You know, it's funny. I just heard the full statement and I, 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 I laughed. I, I don't know what to say to that. Um, I say to Gavin Newsom, um, this all started changing this drastically in six to eight months. And I'm telling the truth. God is my witness. So that's what I have to say. Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is 
uh, in the state of California, kind of like the state of New York where I am, and why I stay here, I have no earthly idea. My staff looking at me, they're all saying, yeah, why are we here? Um, I'm here really for work, and and really that's the only thing holding me here. But the reality is um, you pay 13.5% state income tax. What other taxes do you pay out there in California? Oh, you have business tax. Everything is taxed here. I mean, and business tax. Um, it's tax on everything. You know that. It's what am I paying for? That's my question. What are we paying for? If we have to live in something that looks like a third world country, you know, what are we paying for? Well, I, I don't think you're getting anything for your services. You know, the strange thing, no. you know, the reason we sent Lawrence Jones back to Nancy Pelosi's district. And by the way, he's been to Ocasio-Cortez's district and he's been in New York City and he's been in Baltimore and he's been in Chicago. And, uh, you know, it seems like and we've been to Los Angeles and all the, it's all the same of mm-hmm. all these big city problems. But for decades have been run by liberals. Yeah. Biden, yeah. O- Biden, Obama for eight years, 13 million more Americans on food stamps, eight million more in poverty, more regulation than we've ever had as a history of a country. And Mm -hmm. and then you see the worst recovery since the 40s, the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. Donald Trump comes in and he he governs as a conservative. He gets rid of burdensome regulation for business. He gives us the biggest tax cut. We're now energy independent for the first time in 75 years. And then you have record low unemployment for every demographic group in the country, African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women in the workforce, youth unemployment. Uh, And they say, no, 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 it was Obama that did that. And I'm like, no, he didn't. He had eight years and he couldn't get the job done. Um, But I don't see a state like California ever flipping back. Do you? I don't. I really don't. And, you know, I I mentioned I I try to stay neutral in the whole thing. And and, and with this day and age and where things are going, there's no neutrality. It's clear and present what the problem is. Well, it's a clear. But here's the thing. If somebody like you who's willing to work hard. Look, I'm just assuming in Sacramento that, you know, to be a salon owner, you also work on people's hair. Right. I assume. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's it is a intensive hands on job every day, right? Yes. How many other people worked in your store with you, maybe either rented space from you or worked for you? I've had since I've opened, I've had about 10 people come through and now it's we're down to three. And now, you know, I have to close. So. So your next step is you're going to find a safer location of somebody else's salon. And I guess you work out some type of partnership arrangement. You bring your customers with you. Yeah, it's a rental. I, I rent a space from them and that's, that's great. Well, let me um, ask you this. Why wouldn't you, I don't know what your family situation is, but maybe you should consider, you know, I, I was shocked when Mike Huckabee said on my TV show that, you know, if you rent a U-Haul from California to Texas, it's like 1600 bucks. But if you mm-hmm. take a U-Haul from Texas to Los Angeles, it's 400 because mm-hmm. everyone's leaving. You see all these big states yeah, are yeah. losing population. Why wouldn't you consider moving or would you, uh, you know, I, I I would if my family would go where I have a very, very close family and, and we're all here. And, you know, we haven't been given the, the green light from God to go anywhere. So we got to be a light in the darkness somewhere. Right. Well, listen, if we could ever help you in any way, shape, matter or form, we want to. We feel really bad for you. Um, Thank you. And if there's like a, a I'll, I'll let you talk to Linda and maybe we can put up a link for people in Sacramento. They want to 
see a hair salon, uh, go to a hair, a person that uh, does good work. I'm sure you do. Uh, we'll put your name I up do. there. Okay. It, well, we wish you the best of luck. It's not easy to be in business and that's, that just shouldn't be happening. Not in Thank this country. So it's unbelievable what this poor woman, Elizabeth Novak has had to go through. Linda, doesn't that break your heart? You're going to put her information on the web, right? Yeah, I actually just hung up with her and she she really is so sweet. You know, she's she's married. She's a hard worker. You know, she was just, you know, doing what she loved, doing hair, treating her clients the way that, you know, any client would want to be treated and trying to give them a nice place to come and, and get their hair done. And instead, she's dealing with crackheads, people busting into her shop. They're attacking her and other salon workers and she goes to the cops and the cops tell her, we're so sorry, we can't help you because Gavin Newsom has changed the laws and we are literally not allowed to, to remove them. So mm-hmm. it's like, OK, now they're on the premises. They're not a client. They're defecating on her doorstep, on her door. They're peeing all over the property. They're leaving syringes. They got kids around. I mean, it's a, it's a nightmare. It's absolute disgrace. It's, yeah. This is how we treat people that create jobs, businesses. We just run them out of town and uh, the conditions are, are, you know, all of these big cities are all losing population. These these big states are losing population for a reason. I don't care. I really don't. I don't care if people move out of California. If you're going to go to Texas, Florida, Tennessee, don't bring your stupid liberal policies with you. Because if you're leaving the state because the state's been destroyed by bad governance and decades of liberal rule, well, don't bring that with you and destroy the next state that you're going to. That that would be really silly and dumb and stupid. I mean, right here on this block, we have several hotels that are now giving out their empty rooms under mandate by de Blasio and Cuomo to homeless people and immigrants who can't find housing because they're here illegally. So now you have people paying three, four, five hundred dollars a night to stay in the hotels right here in Midtown Rockefeller, you know, center area where we broadcast from where all the networks are broadcasting from. And there's all this money being spent. And you have people that are living in the hotels for free. Because that's mm-hmm. what our our mayor wants to do. He's not helping veterans. He's not protecting police officers. But he's giving homeless people and illegal immigrants rooms for free. Yeah, isn't that? By the way, you know the number is five hundred thousand. This is an amazing number of people. Uh, yeah, five hundred. He's got now five hundred thousand illegal immigrants in New York have free health care. Five hundred thousand free. free, 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 free. Then, yeah, okay. Well, there's many New Yorkers that live in dumps. But no, let's let's give it to other people first. I, it makes no sense to me. And I, I listen, if I had the money, I'd love to help everybody in the world. But you know what? There is a price to pay for all of it. It's like uh, Bernie Sanders, you know, announcing his version of the new Green Deal. Sixteen trillion dollars. Yeah. But, Sean, I disagree with you because helping somebody is one thing. But giving people money doesn't really do a whole heck of a lot because people got to work. And if you don't work for what you have, you don't respect it. No, that's true. That's that's always been the case. All right. Got to take a quick break. We will come back. Uh, news Roundup Information Overload Hour. Rich Higgins at the top of the hour. Really unanswered questions in the Epstein case. Cheryl Mills. She apparently it's it's getting more bizarre by the minute. We'll dig deep. A Hannity investigation straight ahead. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. Uh, who authorized granting Cheryl Mills immunity? I'm sorry. Who authorized granting Cheryl Mills immunity? It's a decision made by the Department of Justice. I don't know at what level inside. In our investigations, the uh, if anything, any kind of immunity comes from the prosecutors, not the investigators. Okay. Uh, did she request immunity? 
I don't know for sure what the negotiations involved. I believe her lawyer asked for act of production immunity with respect to the production of her uh, laptop. That's my understanding. But again, the FBI wasn't part of those conversations. Last week, the American people learned that Cheryl Mills, Secretary Clinton's longtime confidant, and former State Department Chief of Staff and Heather Samuelson, counsel to Secretary Clinton in the State Department, were granted immunity for production of their laptops. Why were they not targets of the FBI's criminal investigation? A target is someone on whom you have sufficient evidence to indict. A subject is someone whose conduct at some point during the investigation falls within the scope of the investigation. So certainly with respect to Ms. Mills, at least initially, because she was an email correspondent, uh, she was a subject of the investigation. Did the FBI find classified information on either of their computers? I think there were some emails still on the computer that were recovered that were classified. Is my recollection. Isn't that a crime? Is what a crime, sir? Having classified information on computers that are outside of the server system of the Department of State, unsecured. No, it's certainly something, without knowing more, you couldn't conclude whether it was a crime. You'd have to know what were the circumstances, what was the intention around that, but it's certainly something, it's the reason we conducted a year-long investigation to understand where uh, emails had gone on an unclassified system that contained classified information. And what did you determine with regard to the emails found on her computer? I hope I'm getting this right, and my troops will correct me if I'm wrong, but they were duplicates of emails that had been produced because the emails have been used to um, sort before a production. Do you think that Cheryl Mills would have destroyed her laptop? And if so, why uh, this negotiation as opposed to just asking for it by grand jury subpoena? Well, it's a lawyer's laptop. So I, having done this for many, many years, a grand jury subpoena for a lawyer's laptop would likely entangle us in litigation over privilege for a very long time. And so by June of this year, I wanted that laptop. Our investigators wanted that laptop. And the best way to get it was through negotiation. Do you think any laws were broken by Cheryl Mills? We have no evidence to establish that she committed a crime. Do you think that Secretary Clinton broke any laws related to classified data? We have no evidence uh, sufficient to justify a conclusion that she violated any of the statutes with respect to classified information. Is there any distinction between that statement and saying that no prosecutor would bring charges, which is, I think, what you said in your public statements the the day that you made your announcement? Well, I think it's another way of looking at it. Uh, I think given the evidence in this case, I still think that no reasonable prosecutor would try to bring this case or bring this case. So why did you allow Cheryl Mills, Secretary Clinton's chief of staff, to sit in on that interview? She was a potentially a subject or a target in the investigation. She was a government employee. She wasn't Clinton's attorney. But, yes, she sits in there and talks with her throughout the interview. Yeah, my... My understanding was at that time she was one of Clinton's attorneys. She was no longer a subject in our investigation. The agents had scrubbed her conduct very carefully by that point, and she was no longer a subject. But that, again, that's a reasonable question. But the facts are not a subject. One of Clinton's lawyers, she's entitled to be in an interview. All right. Now, that is an incredible exchange, right? James Comey, by the way, News Roundup, Information uh, Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show. Uh, Why did the Justice Department give Cheryl Mills immunity? Uh, and not the FBI. Now, that's an important question. Why was Cheryl Mills and one other person involved in the Hillary Clinton email case when Hillary was finally interviewed, supposed to be interrogated? I've never heard of a single case where you get to bring people involved in the case that have immunity in the case in the room while you're being interrogated on questions of whether or not you broke the law. And then uh, Comey testifying to Bob Goodlatte that there was classified information on Cheryl Mills' computer 
but says she didn't commit a crime. That is a crime. That is the, the U.S. Look, 18 U.S.C. 793 Espionage Act. We put it up on the screen on TV many times. We've read it here many, many times. And then Comey testifying that there is not sufficient evidence that Mills or Hillary Clinton broke laws. No, that's not true. Mills allowed to sit in with Hillary during an FBI interview because she's one of Hillary's attorneys. She's involved in the case. That is a a must recusal situation. Anyway, Rich Higgins is with us uh, to shed light on it. And it also raises other questions about, you know, he has uh, information, you know, Why are we getting conflicting reports about how many times Bill Clinton was on the Lolita Express of Jeffrey Epstein and conflicting reports? Was he or wasn't he ever at, you know, uh, this Orgy Island place of his? Uh, He's formerly with the NSC and Department of Defense, senior fellow at Unconstrained Analytics. Uh, Welcome back to the program. Did you ever hear of circumstances like this where where somebody can have classified emails on their computer? Somebody gets immunity from the Department of of Justice, not the FBI. How does that happen? I'm still shocked, Sean. I I was up there with you on July 5th, 2016, when this decision first came down and Comey's infamous infamous press conference. Uh, It's still just, you know, every single veteran, everybody who's ever had a security clearance is just befuddled by the whole thing. It's it's unbelievable. Well, I mean, but when you add that to what we just reported with John Solomon and that, in fact, there was this whole treasure trove of information that the FBI knew about as it relates to Hillary's email server that they never bothered to give investigators. I mean, I, I don't know how you rig an investigation more than they rigged hers. I just, you know, and for me to say, well, why are you harping on Clinton? She lost. Well, I'm harping on it because the media only seems to care uh, if Donald Trump is involved with anything Russia, but they ignore the Russian dirty dossier that was used to spy on a candidate. Uh, and they, they knew it was they never corroborated it. It's an unverifiable document of Russian lies. Or as The New York Times says, it was it was knowingly it was likely from the beginning Russian disinformation from the get go. And then it's used right. to spy on a president, a transition team and then to undo a presidential election after they couldn't beat him with cheating like this. So it matters. Sean, what people are going to hear soon, and it's, it's coming up and Congressman Gohmert's been working. It is, you know, the intelligence community IG identified uh, several years ago uh, that Hillary's emails were being dropped, uh, basically BCC'd. Everything was going to a company. Uh, The name people will begin to hear soon is called Carter heavy industries. And then, the back end of Carter Heavy Industries and where all that leads to is going to be the next big saga in this entire email drama. Now, backing it up to the Cheryl Mills thing that we, you know, we started the conversation with is really important. Everybody remember Cheryl Mills, you know, from back in 2015, she appears in Epstein's little back book. Her personal phone numbers in there, her personal emails in there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say this again in Hillary's little black book or Cheryl Cheryl, Mills little black book. Cheryl Cheryl Mills appears in Jeffrey Epstein's little black book. Going back to when? Going back to 2005. It was leaked in 2015. It was originally discussed back in 2015 and then kind of shuffled off. We need to remember Cheryl Mills is not a bit player here. She was the deputy general counsel of the White House until 1999 under Bill Clinton. She was later staff to Hillary at State Department, later a lawyer to Hillary, and then became on the board of directors for the Clinton Foundation. So when she was granted immunity during those mid-year exam interviews, exactly what was she given immunity for? Right. All right. Let's go back to the Daily Caller because they do really good work. Let's stick with them. Now, 
if Mills is the trusted aide who reviewed the email to decide which emails to erase, right? Didn't Hillary claim her lawyers went over them one by one, but then later we found out they didn't go over them one by one. So that's a lie too, right? Right. All right. And then she is with Hillary at the interrogation of Hillary. And meanwhile, she's involved in the case. Do you see an ethics problem there? <laughs> There's a giant, look, I'm not a lawyer. There's a giant ethics problem. There's an optics problem there. And, you know, and, and, the, and the question, again, it goes back to immunity from what? And now, now the question I find myself asking is how, you know, did the FBI, did the FBI and the Justice Department get itself in too heavy with the Clinton? You know, let's, let's make an assumption. Let's say there was some corruption going on. You know, at, at the point they, at the point the Justice Department or the FBI itself become corrupted, and, you know, and I think, you know, the, the general public right now is, as, and the people I talked to, I'm sure the people you talked to, we, we've kind of lost faith. We've lost confidence in our FBI. I don't see anybody right now moving to address that. And a lot of it goes back to these core issues that still, to this day, surround the Hillary Clinton, Cheryl Mills, Clinton Foundation. And now we've got this Epstein thing that's been brought in on the side. It, it's truly just surreal. It is, right. a, is a RICO-like environment. So do we ever able to determine, because we had the Clintons put out a report that Bill Clinton only flew with him a few times, but then it turns out to be a lot more times and then denies being on Norgie Island. Have we been able to corroborate yes or no if that happened? I don't know, Sean. I mean, I, I thought it was very strange that it wasn't until I, you know, we found out Epstein had you know, committed suicide or was dead that we finally saw FBI investigators at the island. Yeah, that was that was strange. Just the entire sequencing of events there was off to me. You yeah, know, I you agree. Look, you know, you look at the FBI, I mean, they they have no credibility right now with at least half of the American public. We see they're using Epstein as a confidential informant. I mean, one of the most interesting things out of Epstein's 2008 plea agreement, you know, where he, you know, he admits to the pedophilia, he does his light prison sentence. One of the one of the contingencies in that was he has to continue to inform to the FBI, right? And so, you know, we see that. We see the FBI using foreign intelligence services to target Americans and American political candidates. Uh, and then yesterday we have Patrick Byrne pop up. And uh, I, I don't believe Patrick Byrne is lying simply because Byrne's story explains why the Justice Department and Mueller wanted Maria Bettina in solitary confinement. They didn't want her affiliation back to Byrne and you know how she was being manipulated by the FBI. Uh, they didn't want that getting out. You know, I, I find this whole thing because we're now going back to the point where Palm Beach police did this. This is when he got his sweetheart deal. Um, do we ever know what actually happened to that? Well, little black book of his or when they seize the address book of of him, do we know if that's still in existence? It's still in existence. There is a if you if your audience wants to, they can Google it. And there are a couple of places that have a redacted version of it. I've never seen nor do I know if anybody's doing a complete link analysis with all the various names and people that are, are identified inside of there. Um, it, it, it really is. Uh, I think it's a it's a vital piece of information and in how that link analysis and those social networks interplay with what we saw with Crossfire Hurricane and mid-year exam and the events surrounding the 2016 election. 
all the way up to the present day. I, I think it's a key, it, you know, it's a key piece of information and in understanding all of these events. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Rich Higgins, uh, formerly of the NSC DOD, uh, as we continue on the other side. Also, your calls coming up, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. We continue with Rich Higgins, uh, former NSC DOD, as we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. You know, I'm looking at all these people and I'm wondering, well, why would Bill Gates ever get on Epstein's plane? And I'm thinking, doesn't he have enough money for his own plane? Uh, Why would the New York Times seek a $30,000 donation from Jeffrey Epstein, knowing who Jeffrey Epstein is or one of their their employees causes? Why would they you know, why is he so connected to the Hollywood crowd? Well, who are the people? How do we ever determine who was really ever there, either on the plane or on the island? I, I think we have to. I think we have to trust Alex Acosta, right? The the recently resigned secretary. I mean, he he said Epstein belongs to intelligence, and you know, and that is your investigative lead, and you go from there, and you know, and hopefully, um, you know, U.S. Attorney Durham and Attorney General Barr are are going to run down these rabbit trails and 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 get it, you know, get us past the um, you know, the run out the clock approach that the establishment has been taking on the entire investigation thus far, uh, you know, while. Uh, Mueller acted as a rear guard action on a lot of the corruption that was happening. You know, now, now we see they're in kind of run out the clock mode, hoping that they can you know take down the president in 2020 and bury all this stuff. So yeah. I hope that you know I, we we need to we need to press and, and to get you know to get some indictments rolling out here hopefully soon. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's been a long time. You know, one of the things you had said way way back in the past, and I just want to remind people, moving on just to a little different subject, is your work with the NSA, DOD, and and, you know, everybody's kind of concerned now about privacy, security. Um, you don't think Americans have very much privacy at all in terms of emails, telephone calls, text messages, do you? Uh, I think, you know, and it's I'm, I'm not revealing anything that's classified. I think we need to understand that um, the global information environment is a living, breathing thing. And, you know, our old understanding of communication needs to just be jettisoned and we need we need to understand how the ones and the zeros move around in this space. And, well, you know, I, I don't think our, you know, we've had such an advancement in the past 20 years in terms of our technology, whether you're talking about travel or social media or email or cellular you know, communications and so on and so forth. I don't think our laws, our, you know, our privacy laws, our understanding of, of uh, you know, free speech, et cetera, I don't think our laws have kept pace with this emergent technical, you know, this technical evolution. And so we need, we need to be mindful of that and very, very cautious of it. The thing that really makes me concerned is we've seen, we seem to have lost our moral bearing. And, uh, you know, and you see it with some of the stuff that's coming out of Silicon Valley right now, where, well, um, you know, they're, they're in league with China, right? I mean, it's well, incredible. I mean, look at Hillary. I mean, Peter Strzok was told that the Chinese were hacking. They, he didn't care. Um, then you've got the issue of uh, were, was there outsourcing of spying on Americans to circumvent laws to spy on a presidential candidate and a president? It appears like the answer is yes. Anyway, uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Rich, good to have you back again. It's been a long time. Thank you for being with us. Uh, very smart information. I, these weeks are intense. I got to tell you, never, the news never stopped. This is not a slow news August, I'll tell you that. Uh, anyway, a little uh, concert series fun on a Friday. All right, let's get to our busy phones. 800-941-SEAN, our number. Uh, Ann is in Utah. Ann, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me on the air. Um I wanted to call after the um, comments that the president made and was also brought up in your show um, about, you know, any 
how can a Jew vote for a Democrat? And the reason I want to call is my entire life until the last election, I voted Democratic. In fact, I voted twice for Barack Obama. I donated money to him. I talked people into voting for him. I was given a ticket to his second inauguration by Nancy Pelosi and was very excited for the first time in my life to go to Washington for an inauguration and be part of that. Wow. Um, what changed? Yeah. Uh, a bunch of stuff changed. Um, first of all, I will say that I think I never was a big thinker about politics and I was a religious Jew, but close to my mother and wanted to honor my mother. And my mother and father were children of immigrants, lower middle class, and they always voted Democratic. And because I didn't want to think about politics, I voted the way my mother did and never really thought about it. And I think back in 2009, I was doing a lot of international business. I wasn't, con- you know, working closely with very bright people. Somebody got me to read more about the news and know what was going on in the world. So in 2009, I started reading and reading and I wasn't watching any news. And I was in Europe a lot. So I was in Europe literally on May 22nd for the Procurement Leaders Award, getting a, my nails manicured when um, that. That soldier was hacked in London, Lee Rigby, literally blocks away from me. And I was Mm -hmm. like shocked that 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 would happen in London. And then I was in Germany um, in July 2014 when the stuff was going on in Gaza. And I was giving a talk in Rostock, Germany. And I could see how all the Europeans were becoming anti-Israel from what was going on in the news. I I don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to tell you something. The rise of anti-Semitism is real. There's never been a president that has done more for the state of Israel and advancing an alliance that could eventually, I hope, lead to a real peace in the Middle East than this president. And recognizing the sovereignty of Golan, that was Donald Trump. Moving the embassy to Jerusalem, that was Donald Trump. So many promised, then in the end, never had the courage to do that which he finds easy to do, keep his promises. And to me, it is uh, it is crucial. And, you know, when everyone talks about, well, foreign interference in elections, well, there was one administration, the Obama administration, that tried to unseat a ally of ours and a sitting prime minister, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Thank goodness. Thank God they weren't successful because he has been a, you know, a Churchillian figure And at times, the lone voice of of moral clarity against radical Islamists and those that believe in a caliphate of convert or die. And, you know, we've got to get people that understand the nature of evil in our time. And Iran embodies all of that. Uh, Thank you, though. We appreciate the call. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. All right. That's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, Wow. These weeks go by. Linda, they not fly by, go so fast. And we're so wrapped up in the middle of it that you just don't even realize, oh, it's Friday again. And then, you know, oh, it's Monday morning again. But that's what we do. And we had a lot of news this week, and it's only going to get better. Uh, All right. Have a great weekend. And as always, you make this microphone happen. The fall is going to be interesting. 
Uh, Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday.